Welcome to show 16 in the C-Suite podcast series and the first one of 2016. I'm Russell Goldsmith and we're kicking off the year with a discussion centred on the agricultural industry. And I have to say, having done a bit of research in prep for this show, I've been fascinated in how important social media has become to the farmers in particular. I'm therefore confident our chat today will be of interest to all our regular listeners and uh, not just those specifically working in ag. Joining me here in the studios of Marketeers are Caroline Schmidt, Global Head of Customer Marketing and Digital at Adama Agricultural Solutions, uh, the world leaders in off-patent crop protection solutions, and they've got revenues of over $3.2 billion. Uh, alongside Caroline is Emma Craigie, Head of Media at The Ad Plane, and uh, they're a full-service advertising and communications agency, and they've got a specialist knowledge in this industry. And finally, on the line from his farm in Lincolnshire, we have Andrew Ward, MBE, who is extremely active within social media in this sector and also founder of Forage Aid. Um, that's an initiative we'll hopefully come on to talk about a little later. Now, as well as my three guests today, we'll also hear an interview I recorded last week exclusively for this podcast with Simon Haley, a rural business advisor. And also he's the founder of a number of Twitter feeds set up uh, for the farming communities in the UK and worldwide. So once again, loads to get through. And as usual, if you want to comment on any part of the discussion, please share your thoughts on Twitter and uh, please use the hashtag hash C sweet podcast. Uh, now, first of all, I want to thank Emma, uh, extremely uh, helpful in uh, get, putting this show together and introducing me to all our guests. So thanks for that, Emma. Um, how did the ad plane end up becoming such specialists in this particular sector? Well, we started working with DCAB, which is, um, which is part of Monsanto about eight or nine years ago. And um, I guess that we, we've taken time to get to know the sector, build up our knowledge within the sector we're very fortunate in that we work with quite a diverse um, range of clients across very different media. Um, so, so that's really helped us gain our expertise. Um, the other thing is we've, you know, we've evolved as communications has evolved. So, as an agency, we, um, you know, we, we're we're sort of evolving with 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 the way communication is is changing very much. And um, I just, I'd just like to add that it's such, it's a great sector to work in. Um, really, the the people are so nice to compare to some of the sectors <laughs> that that we work in, and it's thoroughly enjoyable. And we're in a very fortunate position that a lot of our business comes to us sort of word of mouth. Yeah, well, I have to say, if my initial uh, impressions are anything to go by for the people you've introduced me to in putting this together, then I would absolutely agree with you, um, Caroline. Let's let's bring you in uh, at this point because um, you've been working with Emma and her team on developing uh, Adama's social media strategy, I think it's fair to say. Um, but at the same time, your company's quite new to this area of comms, isn't it? Yes. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. Um, we uh, we haven't done anything really in social media in the past. Um, we just kicked it off really last year, um, a lot with the help of uh, Emma and her team, um, mainly because we've... Uh, uh, Adama went through a rebrand in 2014, um, and with that we did a little bit of soul searching, and uh, we tried to um, get a strategy which really fits with kind of the values um, that we have in our organization, like core to our organization. And um, one of those is to really um, kind of uh, establish a dialogue with, uh, with the farming ecosystem, like largely. So a lot with farmers, but anyone who's an actor in, in agriculture. Because you don't sell directly to farmers, No, do you? we do no. not. Uh, no, we sell through distribution. Um, but for us, it's important to have kind of a, establish a feedback loop and to really uh, listen to what's going on and uh, how we can help uh, beyond just selling product so that we can, we can really be a, an actor in the industry. Um, yeah, beyond pure crop protection. Yeah. 
Well, talking of um, creating dialogue with farmers, we have one on the line. Um, so perfect uh, time to bring in Andrew. Uh, n- now, for the benefits of our listeners outside the industry who may not know uh, Andrew, I think we can confirm he brings a little bit of experience on this topic, given he was uh, awarded an MBE a couple of years ago for his services to farming in, in England and Wales. So belated congrats to that, Andrew, for, uh, for you. Um, did that involve a day out at the Palace? Yes, hello, Ross. It, it, uh, <laughs> it certainly did, actually. It was one of those days that will probably go down as... Uh, one of my uh, favourite and unforgettable days in my Excellent. life. Um, who, 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 did you get to, who did you get to meet? Who, who awarded you? I actually, when I went, uh, Queen was out. She was up in Scotland, and so it's Prince Charles that, uh, oh, that gave me the MBE, which I, I wasn't disappointed no, at because obviously he knows a lot about agriculture. So <laughs> it was a, he knew a lot of what oh, was of course, going on, yeah. what I'd done with forage aid and everything. So and he actually had, had quite a chat with him. So yeah, oh, very memorable today, Russ. Very good. Well, l- listen, tell us a little bit about Glebe Farm. I think is your is your yep. name of your farm, and, and why social media plays such an important. Uh, sort of part in your day-to-day business? Well, we're an all-arable unit farming 1,600 acres, which is a mixture of owned land, uh, rented land, of which I've got uh, the tenancy in my name for a number of years, uh, and also contract farms. So we basically farm other people's land for them because they are on the sort of a size that's not viable now uh, to make make a profit. And it's very difficult making a profit anyway in agriculture at the minute. So we're growing all all the usual crops, sugar beet, oilseed rape, wheat, uh, that's winter wheat, and um, also milling wheat, which obviously goes to make bread, and feed wheat, and also spring malting barley, uh, and oilseed rape, as I say. Um, And with the oilseed rape, that is grown on a contract uh, that actually eventually the oil ends up in McDonald's. We are also a flagship farm for McDonald's as well, which is a really um, unique, and I'm very proud to have that uh, accolade because there's only 23 flagship farms in the whole of Europe, and we are there's only two uh, flagship farms in the whole of the UK, and we are one for for growing oilseed rape, and there is another one for livestock for, right. for beef. So it's a you know a very purely arable farm. Um, but we have uh, lots of um, farmers come to see the farm because we, we are an agri-eye farm and agri are a, a distributor that Caroline was talking about that they sell the products through. Um, and so we have three or four open days a year where we have 100, 150 farmers um, each time come to our farm. So, yeah, very, but lots of people see what we're doing, so we, we have to try and make sure we do things right, or if we do things wrong, which invariably we do, and make sure people know what we do wrong and, and everybody learns from it. And uh, where does social media come into play then on your day-to-day work? Well, it, it's interesting. Uh, social media, I think, is hugely underestimated, and, and I think there is a vast number of farmers who are using social media. A lot, a lot more farmers use it than, than people outside agriculture realise. And it, it's, it's hugely powerful that you can just obviously put a message out or a question out, and it will just go worldwide in seconds. And it's quite simply is that it's worldwide in seconds. And I've put questions out before on diseases, on, on chemicals, or simply if I can't get a product. I wanted, some, uh, I wanted a, a tool, I wanted a machine for the, for the workshop, and, uh, and I couldn't get it or find it anywhere. I put it out on Twitter. Anybody know where I can find this? And four or five answers came back, and straight away, you know, you ring up these people. So it, it is hugely powerful, and it's also good to share things because obviously agriculture is an is a industry where we spend lots of time on our own, whether you're driving machinery uh, or, or you're working in, in, uh, in dryers and grain dryers and things like that at night. And so it's an industry that can get very lonely. So to share your experiences with other people and just sort of break up sometimes the monotony of the, of the job is, is, uh, you know, is a good way of doing it. But it is a very, very useful information 
sharing platform, which is the most important part. Okay, well, and Caroline and Emma, maybe um, you can give us a little insight into what's working for Adama as, as well. I mean, uh, Andrew just mentioned sort of Twitter there and, and the fact that things can go worldwide. Obviously, you're a global organisation at Adama. Um, are you seeing varying engagement levels on different channels and, you know, when uh, looking at different individual territories? Um, yeah, um, we see definitely uh, differences in different territories. Uh, one thing that people sometimes forget is that um, farms are a business. So in many countries, we actually see a lot of engagement on LinkedIn, which is more a, a business network. Um, we also see uh, Latin America. Uh, they tend to be very big on Facebook. So we have a lot of um, there's farming communities and closed groups and chat groups also in the UK, of course. But um, uh, we see uh, quite a lot of discussion going on, of course, in, in Twitter, on Twitter in different uh, in different countries. Tends to be more Anglo-Saxon, um, I have to say. Um, but yeah, we see, we definitely see different levels of engagement uh, depending on on uh, more continents, so to speak. Yeah, um, and I think the key, as with all social media, is it is it depends upon great content, um, you know, great sort of visual support for your posts as well. Um, if I could just pick on a couple of things that that um, Caroline was talking about, so talking about sort of Facebook being very popular in South America, um, I looked up the latest Adama Brazil stats, and there's twenty two, just over twenty two thousand likes on Facebook in Brazil, and also very good on LinkedIn, sort of just over fourteen thousand. Do you, do you um, have a different Facebook channel for each? country then? Yes, so okay. so um, there is Adama Global, which is, is sort of, I guess, the corporate message. And then a lot of the regions have their own um, channels as well and their mm. own networks. Um, but that's that's developing. It's growing very quickly because we've put quite a comprehensive um, strategy and social media toolkit in place whereby all the regions can roll it out and do things properly. Um, but just some of the things that I wanted to touch on, so we're finding with them um, the global account, the type of posts that are very popular are technology and agriculture and also um, where we celebrate farmers. And um, the, the global account is is seeing regularly sort of about 8% engagement rate on Twitter for posts like that. Um, UK sees some great engagement as, as well this month. They've done a lot of activity around an event, so it's really integrating um, the, the social media with actual real-life marketing and communications as well. And they've been seeing sort of 9 to 15.5% engagement impressive on posts and levels. Twitter. Yeah, I mean, that would suggest that the people you've got within that community are the right audience. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so we're doing a lot of work at growing the communities organically with a very um, targeted audience that yeah. is right, right for us, really. Um, there was just one other um, story I wanted to tell you. Um, I was involved in an internal communication about Adama France, who who have um, just started the most fantastic initiative um, via their Facebook account with a um, an, a French agricultural newspaper called Cultivar, and essentially they're looking for farmers that have come up with ideas to simplify farming, and as a partnership they are then amplifying and telling those stories. Um, and um, they, they've, this first post was about a farmer who um, invented LED lighting on sprayers, or at least has been developing that idea. And um, there's been 15,000 video views just, just for that alone. It's, it's just amazing. Yeah, fantastic. Well, um, 
talking about using uh, social and engaging directly with the farmers, you know, ahead of this recording, I actually did an interview over Skype with Simon Haley, someone else that uh, Emma introduced me to uh, last week. And he's a rural business advisor based in Preston at SRH Agribusiness. Um, but he's also someone who's pretty busy within the uh, the industry, again, as he's built up a number of Twitter channels for the farming community. Um, so I started by asking him to tell me a little bit more about one of the Twitter feeds he'd set up, which is at UK which he co-founded in 2011 and that now has over 18,500 followers. Yeah, it's, um, it, it seems to have gone really well. I, when we, myself and a couple of others, got involved with this initiative and set it up, um, as I said, back in 2011, it was very much on the basis of providing a forum, providing a platform where farmers and others within the rural, rural industry could have an opinion, could have their say, on a particular topic um, or, or, or a particular issue that week that they wanted to get off their chest and engage and debate with others. Um, and this is, a, um, this is a format that had previously been run out in America and Australia, and we developed a UK version uh, from it. And more than anything, what we feel is it provides a really good community um, where these farmers can collate around a hashtag, so the hashtag AgriChat UK. Okay. Every Thursday evening, we have um, a different topic to talk about. So some of them could be quite specific, talking about cereal pests or diseases or something quite technical. Some of them can be very general, a wider topic, so women in farming, young people in farming, even sheepdogs I think we've done a, um, a discussion on. Um, and obviously not everyone's going to join in each week, but what we felt was really important at the time was to archive those discussions as we were having them. So on our website, there is um, a previous discussions tab, and you can go back all the way to our very first discussion in April 2012 to see well, what kind of people uh, you know, were joining in and what kind of things were they saying at the time, sure. whether, it, whether it was about sustainability, whether it was about... Um, uh, particular views on climate change or TB or, or, or other things that are happening within the industry. And, and, and it's what, what I'm really pleased is that, you know, this is something that is farmer-led and farmer-driven. So it's, it's, it's user-generated content. It's not going through other mediums or it's not going through larger media organisations. AgriChat UK does what it says on the tin. It provides, it provides a, a space where, where people in the rural industry can, can connect and, and are you measuring the kind of engagement that you're getting? Or are you, are you seeing that increasing over time, obviously? Um, well, I, you know, I, I think very much with social media, you've got to play the long game. You know, I, I see a lot of people that, that maybe set up accounts and join, and if they haven't got 1,000 followers within the first couple of days, they, they lose interest and, and kind of wonder why it's not working. So, yeah. so something like this has to grow organically. People have to feel that it's a yes it's a neutral platform but there's, there's there's trust involved in that because it's people's personal views and sometimes it's quite emotive and they get quite worked up or or very strong opinions on certain topics so those numbers you know those followers have grown over time i would say anywhere between 100 to 150 people on a weekly basis will be actively tweeting but we would estimate perhaps even 10 times that many are watching the discussion are seeing it in their timelines, um, you know, are, are following what's happening that week. And, and when we get when we get industry organisations involved, when you have DEFRA involved, you have the National Farmers Union, 
uh, and, and other um, industry organisations that are guests on those chats, it, it just gives it a bit more credibility. It, 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 it convinces uh, and encourages those other users to say, well, actually, yeah, if, if they're on social media, if they're on Twitter, then this is great because I can connect with them that way too. Yeah. Emma, Simon mentioned um, a couple of industry organisations there that have got involved in uh, at AgriChat UK. Um, is that something you've looked at for your clients at all? Yes, definitely. Well, Adama UK have been involved and, and plan further involvement um, as well as other clients of ours. Um, it's it's a great way for um, for our clients, which are of course corporates, to really keep in touch with the community, um, along with the listening and learning they do via social media. It allows them to 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 talk to farmers as well as what they're doing day to day, sort of out and about. Um, it allows them to just stay relevant. Who was the, if you don't mind me asking, what was the the topic that you that you guys got involved in then for Adama? So I believe I believe it was a it was a weed issue, but they 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 were actually talking about possible future issues as as well, okay. and um, so they will very much um, talk talk to growers. They've had a lot of events recently. They will listen to what are priorities. So that when we choose our next topic, we really know it's something that people want to engage in, people want to get involved in, and and people want to hear about. And that's the great thing about companies like Adama is they do an awful lot of listening, which sometimes corporates aren't terribly good at. Okay. Well, Andrew, I want to come back just, to you. Yeah, well, sorry, I was going to just go back onto the AgriChat job. Yeah, I sure. Think, I think it is that you know I do take part in that from time to time and, and do follow it as well. Um, you know, when it's when it's on, but and it's something because agriculture is such um, a difficult job to, to uh, if you like, to keep going and, and actually to make a, a living out of at the moment. The, the problems in agriculture and or, or often at the moment are weather related, and obviously we've got huge weather problems around the UK at the moment. Yeah. But it's it's the fact that you can put something out with AgriChat. You've got all these people following and all these people taking part in the discussion. And I think often that what's as important is is learning from other people. Uh, what they do. There's lots of different things we're doing now with cover crops and, and different ways of, of growing crops now and, and uh, remain trying to remain profitable. And actually sharing with other people and, and actually learning from other people's mistakes is a huge, huge benefit. And, and I think most farmers uh, you know, will agree it's the sharing of, of information that, that is so uh, keen. Uh, and so key to for AgriChat yeah. working. Well, I guess, I guess as uh, you know, you work as a community rather than as competitors. Would, would that be yeah. a fair way of explaining it? Yeah. No, definitely, without without a doubt. And and I think you know the other in, in important thing about agriculture is when you look at other industries, everybody else uh, within an industry are each other's competitors. Yeah. Whereas in agriculture, we're not. You know, farmers are all in it together, and we're all out to help each other as, and as much as we can because we we know uh, what, what how difficult it is at the moment. Yes, and I'm sure you'll agree, Andy. I mean, Angry, AgriChat is great, but there, there are uh, other initiatives like the Farming Forum, which is a very active fo- uh, forum group, and a group called Club Hectare, which has largely been developed via social media, but but um, communicates both both oh. via social media and there are actual events where farmers can can meet up. Th- they're all really important, aren't they, Andy? Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, I'm a big believer in that, and the, and the networking side of agriculture, I think, cannot be underestimated. And, and you know, learning off each other 
um, is, is hugely uh, beneficial. Well, well, Andrew, I was about to ask you anyway, in terms of you know Twitter and, and communities, you, you obviously used that to, to launch your initiative um, for farmers, which was Forage Aid. Do you, do you want to tell us a little bit? Yeah, it, that's an interesting concept, Ross. I mean, I can go on all day about that, but just in, <laughs> in, in, to put it briefly, um, I started a scheme called Forage Aid three years ago when we had the very uh, late snows in, in March, if you remember, when there were thousands of sheep buried un- under deep snow in Wales, uh, Cumbria, Scotland, Yorkshire, mainly the sort of hilly areas of the UK. And I donated a load of forage myself um, out, the, out the yard at home and then through radio and uh, television and, and uh, the farming press, I got more farmers saying, oh, I'll give you some bales, can you move it for me, which we did. And so in the first year I ran that in, in Wales and Cumbria, I moved 75 lorry loads of straw, uh, feed, silage and that sort of thing to help the animals and help the farmers. Um, and then uh, that was sort of uh, resurrected again in the Somerset floods uh, in 2014. And then we moved a huge number of loads, something like over 250 loads were moved then. Uh, down into Somerset. And then after that, I realised there was such a following on, on Twitter um, and also across generally the whole of the UK agricultural industry. Um, and, and companies like Adama have, have supported us with that as well. And, and all you know, the major companies are because it's the farmers that are being affected. So um, we decided that after the Somerset floods to help put that forward as a charity, which we are now uh, a registered charity. We've got eight trustees uh, on it, of which five are farmers. And, and, uh, and then we're now, obviously, with the floods in, in Cumbria and the northwest and Lancashire and Yorkshire, we're now operating up there. And basically, it relies on donations from the farming community uh, to put through on our, on our uh, Forage Aid website, and that is uh, forageaid.org.uk. And so then we have hauliers who we ask to move it for us, and some of the hauliers come offer their help, and it's moved all free of charge to farmers who are requesting help in the in the affected areas. And you know some of the animals are suffering, uh, you know, hugely in these areas where the flooding uh, has taken place. So basically, we're an animal welfare charity that rely on donations from the farming community, and and the farmers might be for, on the south coast of England. And we move this produce all the way up the country, right to the affected area, all through generous donations from, from haulage companies. So if you didn't have enough on your plate, you're now working on that as well? That's right. It's a, and with, obviously with the current floods at the moment, it, it is yeah. full time. And we have got, as well, we've got a lot of supermarket you know, retailers there coming on board and helping us with the haulage as well, which is great to think people like that, like the supermarkets, are putting something back back into british agriculture but again coming back to the topic of the of the uh, podcast that that really was driven by social twitter without a doubt with would not have done uh, would would not have um sorry forage aid would not have actually been so successful without twitter mm. and i joined uh, twitter only a month before i started forage aid three years ago not because of that i just got sort of press ganged into it by some of my friends to join twitter which i did and there's no doubt, you know, this is why I say, you know, to put a message out and it goes worldwide in seconds. The support we have had from the farming community through Twitter has been fantastic. And we always promote when anybody helps Forage Aid and does anything for us, the first thing we do is we put it on our Twitter site yeah. and, and thank people from there. And, and, it, and it is hugely powerful. And, and the same as Emma said at the start of this podcast, photographs and things are, are great. And if you can put a photograph out there, 
the old adage that it's worth a thousand words. It really is. And so to put a photograph on Twitter is fantastic. Excellent. But well, it's not just about Twitter, Caroline. You're working with farmers on YouTube as well. You know, anything you want to add to that? Yeah. Um, well, not just YouTube, but what we do is um, because we have uh, quite a lot of people on the ground, we, we, we meet a lot of farmers who are present in 45 countries. We hear a lot of great stories of what's going on in farming. And what we try to do is um, capture these and, uh, you know, bring bring them back through social um, channels uh, back to other farmers who might be interested. So whether it's a story, we had a story the other day about um, some uh, some potato farmers in uh, the Netherlands who have, uh, you know, really lots of innovation. Um, they even got a visit from the, the, the queen <laughs> of the Netherlands. Um, and, you know, so we just brought this story, uh, put it out, I think got quite a lot of engagement, again, not just from the Netherlands. Um, we see a lot of people who, who kind of uh, like to hear what farmers are doing um, around the globe. And there's lots of practices that we find are quite uh, quite interesting to share. Well, continuing on this theme of, of engagement with farmers, I want to go back to my interview with Simon uh, Haley, because um, I also asked him about two other Twitter feeds he runs. And that was uh, at Farmers of the UK and at Farms of the World. Well, Farmers of the UK was set up, I set that up in January 2014. So it's had, um, just come over its second birthday now. And what I wanted to do was was take the, the principles of AgriChat UK, but, but kind of develop that a little bit further, where farmers can really take control of what they're saying and the messages that are getting out there to the industry. Um, and, and it's something that, that we can all enjoy to see whether it's lighthearted or a bit more um, introspective into what they do on a day-to-day basis. So, so basically the premise, is, the premise of it is, is that every week a different farmer takes over that account, whether it's a dairy farmer, an arable farmer, a fruit farmer, um, or, or diversification enterprises. And you can see, you know, just how they go about things and, and whether farmers want to use it just to extend awareness whether they want to use it for promotional activity this is their account for a week so so that farms of the uk account now is up to about seventeen and a half thousand followers itself well if i'm a if i'm a farmer that only has a couple of hundred followers um you know the chance to take over this account to help raise their profile um and to get a message across again a very powerful platform and you know my personal view is sometimes the rural the agricultural industry is 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 quite is more reactive than it needs to be it's on the defensive quite a lot and i just wanted to set something up where we could be more proactive about things we can be sharing the good positive messages but let's not forget the the you know or the real uh, things that happen on a farm as well you know there are deaths involved in livestock there are things that don't go right all the time so it's just a platform that helped show 52 different perspectives on farming throughout the year. And this Farms of the World account is, is just taking the idea to a global stage. That's um, Simon Haley there. And I should, as I said, I should point out that as well as those Twitter feeds uh, that he was just talking about there, if you want to follow Simon himself, he also tweets at, at Halo42. Um, Emma and Caroline, I want, I want to just pick up on something Simon said there about uh, industry being on the defensive. Have, have you got any thoughts on this area in terms of having to respond to negative PR and, and in particular, obviously, people that are then posting that on, on social media? Yeah, I mean, I think, in in my opinion, not having always worked in agriculture, I see it as as, a, as being quite defensive at times. But I, I do see in the last few years that things have improved. And there's there's two, two angles I, re, I really wanted to talk about. 
one this this whole um, issue of being reactive and the other of being proactive and um, Andy, there was an example that I wanted to talk about of sort of being reactive. And do you remember in the autumn there was a great NFU tweet about how farmers are helping farmland birds? Yes. And there was quite negative negative backlash, I noticed, comment sort of directed at you because I think you might have retweeted the NFU tweet. Mm-hmm. And I watched this unfold one Sunday morning and, and within minutes there were probably 15 to 20 uh, very um, sort of big UK growers and advocates um, actually defending the stance of, of how farming is helping farmland birds and certain species. Um, so, so that was reactive. Um, but it, it was so interesting, Andy, to see how everyone rallied round on that issue. And I mean, I know exactly the, the incident you're on about, Emma, because I remember it very clearly. And I was actually, uh, that particular day, I was on the train as well. I was, I was going on the train to see Leicester Tigers, and I was actually carrying on on the train while I was with my friends as well, because I, I just didn't think I wanted this to finish. And, 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 you know, the other person, if you like, go away, thinking that we do, uh, if you like, um, spoil the environment and, and, and do not care a, a, a jot for farmland birds. And I think it is useful, as you say, that within within a few minutes of, of me just re- basically retweeting an NFU tweet, I got this person came on to me virtually attacking us and, and, and me and the industry. And as you say, I got within within a very few minutes, we got a, a, a lot of people coming on supporting. And, and a, if this chap didn't realise, he thought it was only me against him. Within within ten minutes, it was twenty of us against him. Yeah. So the, there's there's that, but there's also a lot of proactivity. Mm. So so and Andy being a prime example of a very strong advocate um, within the UK. But but there's all sorts of other initiatives, both online and and um, amplified via social media. So um, there's an initiative called Open Farm Sundays, where farmers are encouraged to open their farms so the public can come and see what's happening. And last year there was a 40% increase in visitors to farms. So I think there's there's increasing appetite from the public and the media actually to learn about farming and food. And um, in the UK, uh, we we have a, a popular rural countryside program called Country File, um, which you'll probably know well. And um, it, it gets over 7.3 million viewers. And I read an article in the autumn that um, when it overlapped with X Factor for about 15 minutes, it actually had beaten the number of viewers on X Factor. Um, so, so there is increasing appetite. I spoke to um, Jane Craigie, who's been an agricultural journalist for 20 years, and she's heavily involved with a with a, a leading industry conference called the Oxford Farming Conference. And she said that 10 years ago, you wouldn't have had any mainstream media attending that event. No one would have been interested. Yet now she engages with on the PR side and via social media um, with media such as Sky, The Guardian, The Times, The Economist. Um, so I think that's a, that's a real sign of the times. But it's not, you know, it's not just the corporates. It's also a lot of great work that, that farmers like, like Andy are doing as well. Awesome. I have to ask this on the PR side. Who came up with Advocate? Advocate. I don't that's know. Gotta but be, it's, that's got to be a PR thing. It's quite cheesy, but it's quite <laughs> widely used, isn't it, Andy? Definitely, without a doubt. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, OK, I, I want to change topic. Um, and Andy, uh, I would 
coming to you on this one, um, yep. and because uh, I know it's something of uh, a particular interest to you, and that's the topic of connectivity. Because, um, of course, that's essential when it comes to engaging online through social, um, you know, and digital. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, like you say, when you're out in rural areas, that might be a bit of an issue. It is, and, and this is the thing I think that I still can't get my head around this, why the phone companies don't realise this. And, of course, you know, we're talking about, obviously, the mobile phone companies here and the coverage that they give to the, to the UK or to the, you know, the countryside. And when you look at that, they're always bragging about we're giving, you know, we've got 98% of the population or we're covering 98% of the population. That might be the population in the towns or the big cities, but that is not the land area in 98% of the, of the land area. And, and it just amazes me that I, I drive about the country a lot now to meetings and I can be on the main road on the A1 going right through the middle of the country, past major towns and cities, and I've got no signal. And I can go on the main road probably 25, 30 miles uh, that goes past five or six big towns and cities, and I lose connection probably eight or ten times. And I just think in today's age, when, when you sign a contract and these companies are offering you a contract, that they still are allowed to, have a, uh, to be able to provide you with a service that is as bad as it is. If I sign a contract with somebody and I provided that type of service, I, I, well, I wouldn't be here. I'd, I'd be out of business. I think it's just deplorable that the phone service and the phone signal around the UK is as bad as it is. Did, is that something, though, that you're... Because I, I, I did put a call out to a couple of uh, people. I just, un, unfortunately, just didn't have the time to get you know mm. uh, anyone involved in this podcast. I did get a, a note back from someone at Vodafone who said that you know that there is stuff happening in this, and what I'll do is I'll... Um, I'll share some some of the uh, links that I was sent on on Twitter yeah. after this podcast. But I mean, is it something that you're looking to work with with the network providers at all? I would I would love to do that. I would love to work with them and and show them and and try and understand what our problems are. But you you know you talk to these guys and you ring them up and you just get the same standard answer. Oh, what is your postcode? Oh, you've we've got certain amount of coverage in here. And and if they could come on the farm and actually travel into the fields, come in the machinery and travel about with us and see what our problems are. But, you know, they, they just don't. And, I, and I've heard, I know somebody who was working for a, um, a, a mast um, erection company, and they're actually decommissioning mast when Orange uh, joined in uh, and, and uh, the other company to join to make uh, EE. They were actually taking mass out because they felt there was too much overlap, which I think is terrible. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I think it's, it's a topic that we can talk on for ages. And Not I'll, a long while. Yeah, absolutely. But I'll put a call out now. So if any of our listeners work for one of the major telecom providers and want to get in touch, drop me a line on Twitter. It's at Russ Goldsmith. I'm sure maybe we can get Andrew on the line and we'll do another podcast just uh, to debate that whole uh, topic. On yeah, that'd be show. great. <laughs> um, okay, now... Uh, just again, switching topic. Uh, there's a great video um, on uh, on Adama's uh, YouTube channel that I that I watched that you guys produced. Um, which, uh, if anyone wants to uh, see it, search for YouTube and just search for Adama Agricultural Challenges, um, and hopefully you can uh, easily find it there. And again, I'll put a link in the description uh, after this uh, show. Um, but the video looks into issues we face with growing populations and constraints on resources to grow more food. Um, I was actually amazed. One of the facts that was shown in the video. Uh, said that to feed the world for the next 40 years, apparently uh, farmers must produce as much food as being produced on the entire earth for the last 10,000 years. Um, so following on from that, and uh, we've talked a lot about using social media to engage with farmers, I, I just want to finish off by coming back to Emma and Caroline and, and maybe asking you where you see things progressing from a corporate perspective in terms of using social as an educational platform and and also, you know, not just from from the industry, but from the wider audience and public in general. Emma, you mentioned about Countryfile getting so many uh, viewers. So there's obviously an interest in this. 
Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of, um, we, we see what we've been hearing and talking about, uh, a lot of initiatives to kind of promote dialogue around farming, which we find is extremely important. And we also see, um, there was just last week uh, a, a post um, by Bill Gates around um, bringing knowledge about farming uh, to help um, farmers uh, all around the world um, deal with all the issues that they're currently facing. I mean, it goes from, in some cases, uh, b basic knowledge on farming in maybe uh, some of the more developing countries. And then in the more mature um, markets, we have a lot of uh, regulatory constraints. Um, there's water issues, there's weather issues, there's all sorts of um, um, yeah, challenges that farmers need to face uh, on a daily basis. So what we're really looking at is, is how can we bring um, uh, kind of as much uh, knowledge and, and content around agriculture and just make that available to a broader audience and let everybody interact around that. Um, so we just kind of seed the conversation, if, 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 if you like, and then uh, just open up for, for a general discussion. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th I think one of the great things about companies like Adama is, is, is as well as help helping to amplify these stories and messages via, via social media and digitally, there's an awful lot of work that they're doing on the ground to improve um, education and knowledge share. Um, so, so we can't forget that it's all so integrated with what, what many companies also have to do offline. Um, the other thing that's, that's very interesting is with working with Caroline, we've been looking at topics that, are, that we feel are, are key to be including in our content calendar. And this whole aspect about the future of agriculture and um, attracting um, bright youth into the industry is, is really very important. And I saw a stat, it was from the uh, report the US Department of Agriculture carried out, and it said that universities produce 35,000 agricultural science students per annum at the moment, and that's still a 22,000 shortfall of the annual need for new scientists right. in the sector. It's phenomenal. But um, one of the things we are doing in our content is really looking at this and really celebrating the groups that are, that are helping encourage youngsters into the profession because there is so much technology and innovation. It's, 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 just, it's just incredible, and I just think a lot of people don't realise that. Yeah, I, I have to say, having watched some of the videos and, and picking up on the, on the blog post you mentioned from Bill Gates last week, which I did read as well, and, and some of the things he mentioned in that, it's, it's just... Fascinating. So, like I said, I mean, I think this sums up the fact that we could honestly be talking for hours on this topic. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we do have to end it here. And I know, Andrew, you need to shoot off as well. Yeah. So um, I, ju I just want to uh, thank everyone again um, for, for joining us. So Andrew Ward, MBE, um, whose Twitter handle is at wheat underscore daddy. Thank you. Um, that's a pleasure. Uh, Emma Craigie from the Ad Plane. And of course, Adama's uh, Caroline Schmidt. Um, as always, big thank you to Marketeers for hosting us and, and recording the show. Um, but that's really it for today. Um, please remember to subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for the C-Suite podcasts in the iTunes store. And please do rate the series and give us some feedback when, you can, or when you're there, because um, that will all help us up the charts. Finally, if you want to get involved in the series of podcasts, then just get in touch with me on Twitter. Um, as I mentioned before, my Twitter handle is at Ross Goldsmith, or just drop me a line using the contact form on my own website, which is alldarecommunications.com. Thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs>